But when it comes to business, it doesn't have to be perfect. Try something. If it doesn't work, try something else, right? It's not so cut and dry or black and white as the law. This is the Authority Builder Podcast. This is the place to come if you're building a professional practice and you want to be seen as the leader in your market. We're going to interview the top experts throughout professional services, and we're going to share insights with you to help you grow your firm and be positioned as the only choice that clients ever want. Welcome to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we have got an amazing interview for you today. This is another in our series of episodes for attorneys. So if you're a lawyer listening, you're going to learn a ton about building your practice. If you're not an attorney, but you're building a professional service firm, I think you're going to get a a ton out of this as well. Talking today with Gary Mitchell, he has tailored his coaching practice exclusively for lawyers since 2005. He's been named by two independent organizations among the top 10 business coaches for lawyers and law firms in North America. Gary has three books published and recently launched a new app to help lawyers grow their practices. It's the Law Practice Builder app. And while he is a pioneer in lawyer coaching, Gary continues to look for ways to innovate and bring more value to his clients. He hosts the Law Biz podcast. And uh, I'm just super excited to bring him here to you today because I know he has a ton of value to offer. Gary Mitchell, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So um, you've been doing this for a long time, and I'm just I'm curious, what is it that brought you to, to this stage of your career? What What is it that listeners should know about you to give them context? Well, realistically, if you talk to anyone that's in management or legal marketing or anything of that, no one set out their career to go into legal marketing. Um, it's interesting how... We've all somewhat fallen into it. I've always been politically active and actually uh, ran for parliament here in the United States, which is the equivalent of the House of Representatives in the U.S., knowing I was not going to win, by the way. I won the nomination, which is like your primary. Uh, But something was calling me to run. I'd always been active, and I thought, put your money where your mouth is. Fast forward, uh, the following election, I get approached by a candidate who happens to be a lawyer. and blank canvas, really intelligent, successful lawyer, partner at a big firm, uh, double master's degrees, geology and law. So really, really smart, really book smart, but zero uh, soft skills, like zero. And he's, we're friends to this day. This goes back, you know, many years. And uh, he'd be the first to admit he really needed help, but he was a sponge. He was open to it. So I'll keep this short because it could go on longer. But this was a life and professional aha moment for me. Because since the age of nine, I was always on stage. I was always the center of attention, Uh, whether it be performing or politics or uh, presenting for business or whatever. I was always the guy, right? And all of a sudden, I'm watching uh, this other person transform and grow uh, somewhat because of the advice I'm giving him. And it was. I swear to, to this to this day, like one of the most profound turnarounds, I was like, wow, this is so much better than being the one. I'm sitting back watching, right? And it was so incredible to watch this person grow. He's, by the way, he did not win either, but he moved on and created his own practice and firm. And I don't think he would have ever done I think he'd be stuck at the, at the big law firm, head down. Uh, less freedom, and now he has all the freedom in the world. So that's what kind of got me into it. 
And then I haven't looked back. There were some serendipitous moments through the Legal Marketing Association, having my first article published. It just kind of seemed to fall into place. That's a great story. And I'm curious, like, what are the things that, that you see lawyers getting kind of stuck by as they're trying to grow their career or build a practice? It's actually, first of all, I think it's the most important question you could ask me. And it's the most important question lawyers should ask themselves. They are smart people, very smart people, and make no mistake, more than probably any other profession, they have been trained how to learn, right? I mean, that's why they call it practice. They will practice law for their entire career. They will never stop learning cases, um, you know, things constantly change and move. So they're always reading, they're always learning, they're always practicing. But it's limited to right brain function learning. Okay, so that's the analytical, the critical thinking, everything that makes them an amazing attorney. Okay, it's why their clients hire them, right? But that totally goes against everything about being an entrepreneur, building a business, soft skills, intuitiveness, uh, innovation, creative, all that stuff. That's it's the left brain functions that, in fairness, they've never had proper training or experience in. I mean, you should, certainly you have. There's a term in the legal industry you might have might be aware of called the rainmaker, right? Uh, if there's a if there's a firm of 200 lawyers, there may be one rainmaker, maybe two. Okay, it's that rare. So it does happen. Uh, there are entrepreneurial minded lawyers. I've had a few clients who are entrepreneurial minded, um, but it's very very rare. And it's really if you look at going back to the personality traits of what draws people to the practice of law, then law school, articling all the early days as an associate, everything. It's like Olympic, Olympic level training and experience for right brain functions. And as I always like to, I'm a little cheeky from time to time. I like to bring humor into my practice. It's like they've been binging on Netflix on the couch with their left brain uh, functions. So my, my focus team is to get them off the couch with their left brain and start exercising those. And again, I said, they're very smart. They've been trained how to learn. So when they're given the right strategies pointed in the right direction with some guidance and support, they learn really quickly. And they're almost like, they're almost astounded at how easy it can be. But they've just never had that that learning or that experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You know, and of all of the things you could have said, that's not what I expected that you would say. I thought you might say, well, they're afraid to go out and, you know, develop new business or they don't have any time to go do that. Or like, I would have thought you would have listed all of these other things, but that's so much more foundational. Well, those, and, those, those are kind of like all secondary, very, very true statements. They will always say, I don't have time. So one of the things I started doing, Steve, about mm, roughly eight or nine years ago with every client, no matter what. If you're going to work with me, you got to do one of these exercises right up front. And that is, I have them do a time audit. Because I don't have enough time is probably the number one excuse. Okay? Very few of them will admit they're afraid of doing it. But that is that is underlying too, because they've never done it before. Right? And lawyers, you know, they're in their comfort zone. They like to know what they're doing and talking about, which also makes sense, right? They don't go in front of a judge unless they know exactly what they're going to say, how it's going to plan out, right? They don't uh, hand in a document to a client unless all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed, right? So if they're in a situation where they're they're unsure, they haven't done it before, there will be fear, whether they admit it or not. Most times they won't. 
But time, time is the number one excuse. So what I do is I help them find the time because another bad habit lawyers find themselves in is doing everything instead of delegating. And I've seen it. It doesn't matter. Solo practice, uh, owner of a firm or senior partner at an international firm. They're trying to do everything on their own. And so I have them do a time audit and we, oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. My first question will be all these secondary tasks. Cause I know the answer to this question, Steve, but I will ask them anyway. I'm like, so is that something you enjoy? <laughs> no, they hate it because it's menial and it doesn't, it doesn't give them intellectual stimulation. This is another thing, psychological understanding lawyers. Just as much as an athlete needs to have that workout every day, a lawyer needs to work this every day. And if they're bogged down in administrative, menial, boring tasks, it literally sucks their energy out. And so not only are they wasting time doing those uh, tasks, but it's taking away their focus and energy from the high-level uh, lawyering that they should be focused on. So there's a whole bunch of things that, that go into play. There's another thing, too, if we want to get into it or do you want to ask me another question because I could go on with this topic. Well, as no, well. keep going. I don't, want to, I don't want to cut you off if you've got good stuff, okay. so keep going. The other thing that I do early on with them is I, I look at a, we do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And again, these are all things they probably haven't stopped and reflected on, right? Where do they spend their time? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? I mean, they may, might have an idea, right? Well, the old school of thought, um, which when I started my first business in the early 90s, I followed, it seemed to me make sense, was you could pull up your, pull up your socks with your weaknesses, right? Learn to improve them. Well, then a gentleman by the name of Steve Jobs came around, and he turned that philosophy upside down. And his philosophy, which I now 100 million percent support, I practice it and I teach it. Master your strengths. Put all your time and energy in your strengths and become a master. And then systematically build a team around you of people to take care of all those other tasks. And you know what I find, Steve? All those tasks that take up time, uh, they procrastinate on. Another favorite uh, thing for lawyers to do is procrastinate. And it's usually when it's around those boring tasks or, you know, docketing or writing a report or whatever. They always find someone who's much more qualified to do those tasks, actually enjoys them, can do them in half the time and at a tenth of the expense. So it's win, win, win for everyone, right? They're now focusing on what they should be focused on, the lawyering part. Right? They've got a team around them of very, very uh, good professional people who love doing those tasks and are much better at them. So those are two things I do with every client early on, to, no matter what the actual program is. I have different programs, um, depending on different needs within the, the firm and the individual. But it, it, you're right. The word fa uh, foundational, if that's the word you use. Yes. Um, because that is the foundation of why they will say, I don't have enough time or I'm afraid of doing this, or that's the, the mindset, right? So it's really important that I understand the mindset, the way they think, so I can help them as a coach. And I'm not pushing them. I'm not like getting down on them. There's never any judgment, right? Um, obviously, if we need lawyers. If we didn't need lawyers, we wouldn't have them. We wouldn't have so many. So there's a skill set, there's a mindset that they bring. I don't have all that, right? I'm the opposite of, of, of that. So that's what my skill set is in helping them to adapt. Now, not all lawyers want to do that. 
right? Some lawyers just want to do the legal work. They have no interest in building their practice or building a firm. And there are firms out there for them. There's places for them. But more and more, as uh, everything gets commoditized, you got AI on the horizon, actually not even on the horizon, it's here. All these other outside competing components, business development and becoming good at the business of law has never been more important in the legal industry and clearly sets uh, lawyers or attorneys apart from each other. So. You mentioned AI. I'm curious to get your take. What What do you think the implications are for the legal profession, and at least in the near term with AI? Well, I'm going to be very honest with you. I am not an expert in this area. I'm just following like what everyone else is following. I'm reading and watching the news. I'm, I think the implications are wide open. I mean, unless, and there's, there's a lot of talk about it, right? Even coming from the, um, the CEO of G, uh, Chat GDP or whatever it is, it's all over the news. He's agreeing and top um, tech uh, executives are agreeing. There needs to be some kind of industry regulation right now, right? Um, so this doesn't run away. But any any program that can replace writing, that has huge implications for the legal industry. Because now, like uh, documents, we've already seen like um, online, like uh, what's it, Zoom, Zoom Legal, right? That's been around for what, 12, 15 years where people can go online and download documents and, and all that. Well, AI would just like run all over that and run all over lower level functions in a law firm and basically replace human beings. I don't know if it will, right? I can't say if it will, but the word implication, hmm, there's a lot open there. Um, you know, and what was it? Oh, it was, it was, I'm actually, I'm investigating AI for my coaching practice. And the, the motto of the, the company is, uh, AI won't replace coaches, but it will replace coaches who don't use AI. <laughs> so I would use the same line for lawyers. AI won't replace lawyers, but it will replace lawyers who don't use AI. Yeah, I, I see it as a, a helper mm -hmm. through uh, through just about any any profession. It will be a helper. But we've already seen one case where an attorney used it to write a brief here in the U.S., and it cited cases that don't exist. Right. And so, you know, there are some limits. Yeah, he, he was in a little bit of trouble. Very experienced yeah. attorney from what I understand, too. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, when you're working with uh, with your clients and you're you're beginning to kind of get their their left brain exercised, what are a few of the things that are really effective in getting them to engage and kind of grow on the on the softer side of the, the skill set? Well, I have them do um, a personality self-assessment, personality trait self-assessment. So they're measuring, you know, how on a scale of one to 10, how bad are they at procrastination? How bad are they at perfectionism? These are no, this is another personality trait, perfectionism. And I found uh, procrastination and perfectionism go hand in hand a lot of the time. They're procrastinating and dragging something out because they're afraid of letting it go, right? And this is, this is an example of drafting a document or preparing for court. Although there is no such thing as perfect in anything, um, they're going to aim for as close to perfect as possible, right? And I get that. I understand that. But in business, business is not an exact science. Marketing is not even close to an exact <laughs> science. And I'll give them, I'll give them the Microsoft example. Think back in the day. Now, some of these young millennials won't remember this because they might not have even been born in that, in that time frame. 
But when Microsoft got started, one of the most successful companies in the history of mankind, and I don't think anyone can disagree with that statement, okay? But when they first got started, they were criticized for making crappy software. But they kept selling it, people, people kept buying it, and they kept improving it, right? Instead of waiting till it was perfect to get it to market, and if they had done that, they'd never been in business. They would never have gotten anything to market. So I'm not saying go out there and, you know, put crappy work out there and then improve it. No, not at all. But when it comes to business, it doesn't have to be perfect. Try something. If it doesn't work, try something else, right? It's not so cut and dry or black and white as the law, right? I mean, the business of law and the, and the practice of law are so completely opposite. I, I'm so glad that you said that because we we see so many times with the the attorneys we work with where we help them write a book about their expertise that they want every little thing to be perfect. And what I think you and I both have learned is that on the marketing of a professional practice on the business side of it, speed trumps perfection because there there is this feedback loop that comes from the market that you need to engage with. You yes. need to put something out, get the feedback back, adjust and go. And so you actually gain more by being fast than perfect. And trying things and getting it out there, right? Um, I use the expression, good is good enough in marketing. And it's certainly better than nothing, right? Sitting there stagnant doing nothing will get you nothing. Being good, getting it out there, like you say, getting the feedback, making tweaks and improvements going back. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't, you brought it up. I have to just say, I can't imagine working with a lawyer writing a book. I've written three. Uh, I know perhaps part of the reason why I can identify with some of these personality traits is that I have them. Uh, perfection, definitely, definitely. Um, in a past life, uh, I wrote music, singer, songwriter. And I would say lawyers and artists are the worst at being perfectionists, okay? And I remember reading books about, like, I think the, the, it's a famous book uh, for ours called The Artist's Way. And it was, about, it was about that. It was about letting go, right? And hardest thing, and I think out of all the professions out there, that it's hardest for lawyers and artists to let it go, right? And you talk to artists, you listen to, you interview them, and it's almost like you're talking to a lawyer, right? Um, I can't, um, I mean, I, I work with them when they're working through documents. I can't imagine working with them through a book. Oh, wow. And the stress they would put on themselves, right? And this is a life learning thing for myself, right? There is no perfection. There never will be perfection. So stop killing yourself, right? Um, do your best. Always do your best. Get it out there. Listen. Ask for feedback. React. You said speed. I also want to add another word in there, nimble, right? The ability to react quickly. We can't always be proactive, right? I mean, if we're all proactive, whoever has that, that uh, crystal ball, <laughs> um, but being reactive, being nimble, right? And being able to turn quickly, which law firms are definitely not known for. Um, you know, any decision, the bigger they are, it's like government. The bigger they are, the more bureaucratic it gets. There's more opinions at the table. Things take longer. Um, that's very dangerous, though. If you don't have a solid management team that is empowered to make decisions, right? 
especially, I, I don't know about you, but everything seems to be speeding up. <laughs> the older I get, uh, the more technology that comes into play, everything is quicker now. And we have to be able to, as humans in, in any business, we have to be able to adapt and uh, react quicker. It's interesting. The current law firm practice model really evolved through the early part of the last century and, you know, maybe into the, the middle part of it. And then it was fairly stable, you know, mm-hmm. from, from there until now. And that was a, a, a point in time, you know, at least up until the eighties pre microchip where the world changed, but it didn't necessarily change at the pace that we're changing at now. And I think since the eighties, we've just seen it expand exponentially and we're going into a time where things are more chaotic than they've ever been. And Mm -hmm. I can't imagine not being able to be in an organization that's nimble with something like AI that Mm -hmm. you know is going to affect your profession. You've got to be able to adjust and adapt and try things Mm -hmm. and see what happens. I think that's going to be a critical trait of a successful law practice going forward. What do you think? Oh, yeah, there's... um there's definitely that. I mean, you can already see it. Um, there are there are some innovative practices. Uh, what you brought up, law firm model. I think what's even um, I think see we're talking about behavior now, right? Being nimble, being adaptive, being proactive. The problem with the law firm model in North America is that it still rewards for hours built. So if you look at Australia, the, uh, the model in Australia and UK, they've been away, they've been far ahead of North America for years. Okay. I don't know. I can't predict if we'll catch up. I can't predict if we're going to adapt the same. I mean, they have, they, you can be an owner of a law firm and not a lawyer in the UK and Australia. The law. Okay. You can be an owner. They, they have shareholders of law firms. It's a business. Wow. That's one. They also reward, which is the way I teach. If I'm working with a partner at a firm, I'm letting, I'm getting them into the mindset they're running a franchise, basically, right? Within the, the brand of the firm and all that it has, the exposure, name recognition, all of that, they're basically running a franchise. And the diagram I give them, it's not a pyramid scheme, <laughs> but it is a pyramid. They're at the top. And the way to successfully build their practice and their group is down and wide, right? But most firms will not reward them for the collective revenue of that group. It's only what they they build. So what does that do? That enables behavior that hoards the hours, does not promote mentorship, does not promote leadership, does not reward for those actions, which are good for everyone. They're good for the young lawyers. They're good for the clients because now the clients are being billed at a rate more effective because an associate's doing that work, right? not a senior partner. So the, it's good for the associates, good for the clients, um, good for the, the partner because that partner, and I've got an example most recent, is now happier than they've ever been in, the, in their, their entire career, approaching 60 years old, and they're doing the purely high-level lawyering work. Remember back to the intellectual challenge, right? And what about the firm? Everything is more profitable. So everyone wins. So if anything's going to change in the legal industry, adoption of AI, more like freedom to work from home, more hybrid models, we haven't got into that. That's another, it's going to have to come from changing and adopting the law firm business model. And I don't know 
quite honestly, I don't know if that's on the horizon in North America. I don't. But you know, you know as well as I do, we're talking about human beings. We don't move <laughs> unless we're forced to, right? Unless there's huge events like COVID, which force people to have to work from home. That would never, it still would never have happened in the legal industry had COVID not come around. I, I, actually, that's in my preface for the last book I wrote was Growing a Law Practice During COVID-19. And I said, had COVID not come around and kicked the legal industry and the world in the blank, and thankfully the publisher let me use that word <laughs> to get my point across, <laughs> um, we'd never be looking at lawyers and staff working from home. And now I've got several clients who just continued on. They've gone on to go completely virtual, sold the bricks and mortar. Um, if they don't change the model, which affects behavior, then we're not going to change behavior. And that will, like, you know, and we, I do have faith, Steve, because we see innovation everywhere, right? We are human. So there's an average out there. But then there's one or two innovative people that come along in a generation and turn everything upside down. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that person. I'm waiting for that leader. And when it happens, it's going to be really exciting in the legal industry. Really exciting. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. It's not going to be something that sort of comes down from on high within the industry. It's going to be a firm here or there who begins to experiment and make some progress and get some success and then becomes, you know, they get some notoriety yeah, they, from that. They, they never want to be first. I know. <laughs> they never want to be first, but they don't want to be last. <laughs> they want to be somewhere around three or four, right? Yeah. Let the other people try it first. If it doesn't work, well, we didn't fail. If it works, we'll copy them. That's Whereas in other industries, you're like, you're cramming to be first, right? That's the whole point is get there first and then worry about the challenge of staying there once you get there. We just get there first. Don't worry about after <laughs> one thing at a time. But see, lawyers don't do one thing at a time. They overthink and overshoot. And they think, well, when I get to that, what am I going to do then? It's like, well, don't worry about that. Let's get you there. That's the first step, right? <laughs> That's another set of uh, challenges. Um, those are good challenges, by the way. It means you're growing. <laughs> yeah, well, and and I think attorneys aren't the only ones who fall into that trap of wanting no, they want all the answers to the test before they they start, you know, but one of the things that I've learned over the years is that if you aim for a mountaintop and you get to the top of that first hill, now you can see a whole lot further and yes, answers begin to reveal themselves, yeah. you know? Yeah. Whereas if you stay at the bottom, no, that's a good, I, I might steal that, Steve. I like that. Have it. That's really yeah, good. go for it. That's really good. People steal my stuff. I'm, I take it as a compliment. So let's talk about this transition to hybrid in the legal profession that, that it was obviously forced on the profession, uh, forced no. on all of us a few years ago. It seems like it's sticking in more places than you would have expected. Um, what are you seeing and what are the advantages, disadvantages? What are the pitfalls uh, with the, the folks you've helped through that transition? Okay, it's hard to say whether it is sticking or not because I'm aware of uh, several large firms, both in Canada and the U.S., now mandating people back to the office. Um, I've talked to you know one client uh, runs a small firm, and he by the end of 2020 
he decided he was not going back to bricks and mortar because he found he you know you going back to the listening, putting stuff out there and listening. He listened to his clients. He listened to his staff. Everyone was happier. He was happier. He used the uh, example of being at the kitchen table with his wife reading the newspaper instead of in gridlock on the highway getting to the office, right? The client's not having to drive into the office, blah, blah, blah. Some of the bigger firms, but here we go. One of the other huge challenges in a law firm, um, I've always said, first of all, the premise should be the hardest part of any business is the people part. You can plug your computer in, you can get a new uh, app or new technology, we'll figure it out, right? Blah, blah, blah. People, eh, that's the hard part. So you've got some people who thrive working at home, right? I had even like a senior partner, international firm, he's like, Gary, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I'm so much more productive. I don't have all the distractions and the interruptions and blah. Sure, it took a couple months to, you know, figure out the tweaks and because uh, you're you're looking at self-discipline, and I get that. I've been working from home for 17 years, but I didn't, you know, roll out of bed one morning, uh, go to the other end of the condo, and yeah, I know how to do it, right? No, it took some it took some doing, it took some practice. So you've got people on both sides. Some people like to go into the office. They psychologically, uh, they're leaving their home, they're going into a professional setting. Other people thrive on the social aspect, right? Being around other people, interacting. There's all that. Uh, my point is, there is no one size fits all, and this is where it gets tricky, Steve. Because then it it's more work for HR. Um, but I've been saying this for years. I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm saying if you do it, you're going to have like a much better retention rate. Retention has always been an issue in the legal industry. Then the great resignation comes along. Blah 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 blah. We could do a whole episode on that. My point is, if you're an employer today and you find good people, it's your responsibility to do everything you can, everything you can, and that's all you can do to keep them. So if it's a single mom and she needs to be home three days a week, she has outstanding work. Clients never complain because they're not sitting at home going, I wonder where my lawyer is doing my work. (laughs) They don't care, right? (laughs) If you've got good people, it's your responsibility to do whatever you can. And you know what? You're not going to win them all. You can do everything you can, everything. At the end of the day, some people are still going to move on. They're not going to stay. I mean, that's the hard part. It's, I don't know, I take things personally, so I have to let those kind of things go, right? Because when you know you've done everything you can and they still move on, it's sometimes it's hard. But I don't think there is one size fits all. I think it's wrong for any company to fully mandate everybody back to the office. Then there's the whole, well, it isn't fair because that per- No, I don't think you're going to run into that because say you have 10 people in today's market. Some of those people are uh, living in the suburbs. Some of those people live right downtown, right? Some of those people like to come into the office. Some of those people like to work from home. So I don't think you're going to have this problem where people are fighting each other because Joe gets to work from home and Sarah is coming into the office because Sarah wants to come into the office and Joe prefers to work at home because his wife is working long shifts as a nurse. So he has to help with the, with the childcare, right? I mean, there's just like add it all up and like, we're not in the 1950s, right? Dad goes off to work. Mom's at home, baking, cooking, cleaning, taking care of the children. Uh-uh. It's not the 1950s. So 
in HR, we have to look at being as adoptable as possible. Now, here's another, another uh, the two pitfalls I see or potential pitfalls. One, you do have to keep up the social aspect. So having events, right? For people that are not in the office uh, altogether, having not only client events, but staff events. And I don't mean the old like team building crap that happened in the 90s, which it was a lot of crap. I don't know what you think, but I've never heard a positive thing from anybody that did. No, right? <laughs> All that retreat crap and blah, blah, blah. Everybody's like, oh my God, I could have been at the cottage. Like, um, no, I mean, just honest to goodness, getting together and talking to each other and, you know, how are you doing? And probably having a meal associated with that. Um, the other thing is the training and mentoring. Now, I will push back on this because I have been challenged by some people where they're like, oh, but you have to have that. There's opportunities that only allow for in-person and training and all that. I'm like, okay, there are. I won't argue with that point. There are some uh, opportunities. So maybe when you're having your intern or your articling student or your summer student or your first-year associate, yeah, they need to be in the office um, four days a week out of five, say, or all five days a week. And as they get more on their feet, there's more flexibility. Um, there's things to figure out. But here's where I'm going to push back. Leadership can be done via Zoom. It can be done via video. If it's good leadership, it can be done either in person, by phone, or over the internet. That's my point. And what these guys will do, mostly guys, older white guys, my age and older, white, will always revert back to what they used to do because that's the comfort zone, right? Again, we talk about being nimble. This is a new world. We are literally in a new world, right? Not only, I mean, you have the, the perfect storm of COVID, great resignation, AI, right? All of this is all at the same time because we're still going through the ramifications or the, the effects of COVID, right? And probably will for a couple more years, I would imagine. Um, then you add, uh, well, basically the great resignation was people waking up. <laughs> was people waking up. Um, I'm a fan of history, and I, to my recollection, never have we ever gone through a major event like COVID-19 and then gone back to the way things were. Never. Never. We always move forward. So adapt or die, right? Adapt or die. Uh, sure, if you're going to do the old ways, you can maybe squeak out a few more four years, five years. If, you, if you're that close to retirement, yeah, maybe you can get through to the end of your career and you won't have to change. You won't have to adopt. But if you're a newer attorney, lawyer, in your first couple of years of practice, I think you better look long and hard at becoming more nimble, adaptable, flexible, and being part of the future. Because it's, it's, a, it's a new world. It really is. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, and it's, so it's it's interesting the, with this hybrid thing. For most of the world, it's a new thing, but I started the, this business that way. I had an office for a few years. I realized since I was the only one that was going into the office, that was really stupid to pay for an office. So even that stopped, and yeah. we've successfully grown. We've brought people on. We've figured out how to onboard. And I'll tell you the thing that yeah. is really interesting about the whole process is. The time that I recaptured from commuting oh. is amazing thinking time where yeah. you get to think about and sort of slow time down. How am I going to deal with people who are now, like in our case, we've got people on uh, three different continents. 
How are we going to deal with that in a way that still makes it work and it's cohesive and they still feel like they're part of the team? I think we've done a pretty good job of that, but it required literally sitting and thinking through what do I want the experience to be like? And I think that's what is in front of lawyers who are making that shift right now, who are leading firms is what do I want the experience to be like for our clients? And then what do I want the experience to be like for our team? And being very intentional about that. I think that's the only way to make it through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about the difference. That's a really good point. Think about the difference between being in gridlock on the highway, frustrated. And if you're like most people, you're not using that time in a free way to think positive and strategic. You're frustrated. All you're thinking is, damn, am I going to make that meeting? Am I, am I going to make it in time for the client? Or are they going to be waiting? I'm going to be embarrassed. Damn. Uh, so that's a total waste of your time and energy and focus, right? The other thing that has come out of COVID is, and I, chapter two is put your own mask on first, okay? Because, and I write in it, I go, had COVID-19 not come around, this chapter would not be published in a book for lawyers, period. Talking about self-care, right? And so I was, I was in, not inspired, I was, uh, relieved to see some of the articles and talk that came out of legal publications after lockdown and a few months in when the term self-care was starting to be talked about in the legal profession. We were saying in the preamble before we, you press record, it's one of the uh, industries that has been hit hardest by um, mental health issues, addictions, stress level is over the top. And I was just relieved that because of COVID, more attention is being paid to people taking care of themselves, right? Because if you can't, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else, right? So, so much has come, you know, as a business coach, I try to be, I try to look at the glass half full and I try to look at a challenging situation for the opportunity that comes from it. Um, You know, what has gotten better and where do we go from here kind of thing. Yeah, I love it. Um, We could go on for hours. We could go on for days probably talking about these things. Where can people find out more about what you're doing? I know you've got the Law Practice Builder app. You've got the Law Biz podcast. What's the best place for people to start? You've got books, lots to unpack. Well, I guess ontrackcoach.com. There's no K in OnTrack, just two Cs, ontrackcoach.com. The podcast will be there. They'll be on my YouTube channel. Um, I don't know. The book's already old. It's two years old now, so I wouldn't worry about the book. Uh, there's access to the app um, right on the front homepage of, of the... Um, and look, I mean, the, the podcast is brand new, and I hope uh, I hope to do as well as, as you've done as a host. Uh, you're one of the people who I'll look to as, as an example as I host my own uh, law biz, talking about everything, not the practice, but the business of law, and have some really interesting guests coming on, coming up, uh, uh, one of the most legal veteran legal marketers in the United States, which means the world. Um, we were t- chatting last week and I've followed her for years and I'm so excited to have her on. I won't say her name yet, um, but I'm getting some also what the podcast, uh, Steve, I'm bringing on clients that have truly inspirational, transformational stories that I, I have to get out. Lawyers on the fence, skeptical, uh, they've got to hear these stories from other lawyers, right? Don't listen to me. Listen to these guys or gals who have gone on and some of the things they've accomplished, uh, some of the stories 
during lockdown. I mean, amazing, amazing. So I'm really most excited about it's just the beginning days for the podcast. But um, thanks again for having me on. It's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you today. You're welcome. And thank you for the compliment. And uh, yeah, I'll, I can't wait to, to see what you have to, to bring to the table with the Law Biz podcast. And uh, I'll be listening. So uh, looking forward to thank it. You. Gary Mitchell, thank you so much for investing some time with me today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, Work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.